Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com, and I always welcome you to connect with me on LinkedIn. Today, I invited、uh, Mr. Carl Weaver to this show. We would like to talk about、uh, a topic. Well, it's a claim that Carl made.、Uh, he thinks China is leading in the blockchain and IoT industries. Let's figure out why. Welcome to the show, Carl. Michelle, thank you for welcoming me back to your show. It's always a great pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, I think、uh, last time、uh, when you were on this show, we talked about a blockchain, and we talked about China, of course,、um, and payment and security as well. Yeah, and security. That's right. You recently、uh, changed the job. You are working for a different company,、uh, doing very exciting things. I would again start with an introduction from your side.、Uh, tell us about. Who you are, your connection with China, as well as、uh, the topics right, blockchain and IoT industry.、Uh, what's the connection between that? So I've been in the convergent PC telecom wireless industry for more than three decades.、Uh, I've lived half of my professional working career in Greater China,、uh, and I'm a wireless market mobile device、um, payment and security. Basically, I'm working for a company now called AITOS or ITOS. It's a stealth Shanghai-based blockchain embedded software security firm, invested by one of the largest blockchain organizations in China called Wanxiang Blockchain.、Uh, that's what I'm doing now. I'm the global business development director for them,、uh, with a focus to merge or integrate the IO, I, cellular IoT modules with blockchain technology. That's what I'm doing. I joined in February. The CEO and I are ex-Jamalto colleagues,、uh, so I was very happy and excited to come on board because it's cutting edge.、Mm-hmm. So you have all, all these、uh, many years connection with China, and you've been in the industry. You you are one of、many、those、decades. people. Many decades. Right, many decades. Right.、Uh, as I said, for this topic, you have a claim you made. Right, you said China is leading in. Blockchain and IoT industries. Why did you make such kind of a claim? Well, first of all, because、um, I have equal experience in all of Greater China, thirty-seven years between China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. I have history、um, with all three parts of Greater China. Plus, I'm an American, and I've been in technology my whole career. So, therefore, I can provide a very level EQ when discussing、uh, technology between the East and the West, and I do that. So 
I have discovered that the Chinese cellular IoT module vendors are amongst, there are nine major vendors right now, and they're all growing. A few years ago, when I was pushing eSIM to these vendors, they were small uh, and not as large. Now they're very large. Quicktel is one, is probably, it is the top Chinese cellular IoT module vendor, but Fibercom is just a little bit far, just a little bit behind them. And there are seven other Chinese cellular module uh, companies waiting in the wings to grow as well. So there are nine Chinese cellular module vendors who are taking their technologies and they're expanding globally and they're utilizing Western labor to sell into Europe and North America, Australia and other markets. So they oh. are growing. Oh, wait a minute. So you said China has nine uh, major cellular IoT module vendors. Yes. Um, I want to get a sense of the comparison. How many uh, in the worldwide? Is nine a big number or small number? Tell me more. There are no more than 15 globally. And there are no more than three Western vendors who've scaled. The rest of the companies are Chinese. So three Western companies. Telet is a major vendor. Sierra Wireless, Ublocks. There are other smaller vendors, but they've not scaled. Mm -hmm. Our job is to work with all of those, my company, our job is to help all of those companies. We do not play favorites. We want the ecosystem to grow, and that means everybody um, needs to, you know, be competitive and grow by using the blockchain. But there are nine in China. There are three globally that are successful, um, and then there are a few others that have um, that are on the roadmap, I mean, that are on the radar. But being on the radar and being and having nine in China that are successful, you can see it's obvious. It's very mm -hmm. obvious to me. Okay. Then of the uh, top ones uh, worldwide, including China, what are the position of those uh, Chinese companies? Can you tell us? Uh, I, I, can, I can say that in the top five, I believe that Fibercom and Quicktel, I believe they're in the top five. Um, uh. I, I don't know the actual rating and ranking uh, for them because depending on who you talk to, it's different. They're, they're, they're changing. But I do know in the top five, um, it's a combination of Western and, a and Chinese cellular module vendors. So you, that's pretty obvious right there. Okay, now you convinced me. You have convinced me that China um, is leading in the blockchain and the IoT industry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Now I want to go into a little bit in depth into this. What are the applications that China is using the blockchain and IoT technologies? And who are the users of these applications? So very quickly, um, China's the largest car market on the planet. Mm -hmm. And right now in China, they have something called EID. Um, and of course, uh, there's a global standard for vehicle ID. It's called VID. But China has something for personal users called EID. That's a government-led project. What, um, what our company is involved in and other companies are involved in is actually taking the personal user's ID from their smartphone and the vehicle ID and matching them together um, utilizing the blockchain for something called the sharing economy. The key is trusting the data. You use the blockchain simply to trust the data. Is this really the right user who's going to uh, borrow this car 
or borrow this or, or get in this autonomous vehicle. They want to make sure that the person getting in the vehicle is actually the person um, be, uh, the, the person who's intended to get in the vehicle because they have to pay for the service. So they're using the blockchain to guarantee that the user uh, and the vehicle match up. That that's why they're using the blockchain to do that in China right now. And, and autonomous vehicles are going to grow. That's one example. Another example is, you know, in Inner Mongolia, they're using, um, there's, a, there's a huge um, farming community of cows for dairy products like milk and butter, mm -hmm. as well as for meat, right? So you have two different types of cows for that, but I mean, a cow is a cow. They have collars around the necks, GPS collars around the necks um, of these cows uh, and other ways to track the cows. They actually can tell how the cows are feeling. It's very important to know the health of the cow. They need to know if the cow is sad or if the cow is happy. And it's really, it's really that much of a science. It's called ag tech. Uh, there are farms in China that, that depend on investments from banks and insurance companies as they grow their cow herds. So they're using the blockchain to attest that this cow is healthy, safe, active, and singing to its heart's content. So it's another cool application of the blockchain. Uh, what I hear from you is, uh, first, uh, the IoT part is the equipment the cow is wearing yes. so that uh, you can track it, right? Second yes. is the blockchain uh, technology is embedded in through this uh, whole data transportation. So yes. the data is being verified and it cannot be changed. Uh, and it's securely tracked also yes. through this yes. chain. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. And it's using our technology actually to do that. Oh. Because we're, we're integrating IoT with the blockchain at the edge in the module um, in the, the IoT device that the cows are using. Okay, great. Okay, so those are two examples. There are so many use cases in China, and I think I supplied some of you. But one that will come right down to the hearts of anybody living in China. As you know, people need to charge their batteries on a daily basis. There are so many people who heavily use their, their smartphone to surf data and to talk on the phone. They um, very often need to recharge their cell phone. And they have these power banks or charging stations. And they're little boxes where you can use your QR code uh, to open up, pay a minimal charge in order to charge your smartphone um, with this power bank. You, and it comes with a cable and a power bank and you charge your phone. If you fail to return that within a 24-hour period, ah, if you don't read the fine print, you own that. They will deduct from your debit card because your debit card in China is attached to your WeChat account or your Alipay account. And you use your WeChat and Alipay with the barcode to pay for these. So if you don't return it in 24 hours, you own it. So, And by the way, they can tell because once you scan the QR code, Immediately, it's sent out to the blockchain to say, eh, Mr. Wong ordered this uh, power bank at 10 a.m. in the morning, uh, and he charged it for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, and he returned it. Uh, well, he's only going to pay 10 renminbi for the use of this power bank. Uh, but if, uh, if somebody else didn't return it within a 24-hour period, they buy it, and then a bill will be sent to them. Or it will be immediately deducted from the debit card account. And they're using the blockchain to attest uh, that the data is real, that this, this actually occurred. And this is actually quite interesting. And they can do it in real time. It, mm. it only takes less than 10 minutes to write a block to the blockchain. And the block is written as a hash. So um, it's another cool 
use case that every everybody in China charges their cell phones yeah. and they're always looking for these places. Yeah, I've seen this uh, power bank in like Subway or you know a lot of places, and restaurants, oh, yeah. many yeah. places. Yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. Very cool. America needs that. We need that, right? Why don't、mm -hmm. we have that? We need that at Bellevue Square Mall. <laughs> so,、uh, from what the examples you gave us, right? It sounds like in China, it's already everywhere. The blockchain and IoT combined, right?、Yes. It's、uh, everywhere in people's life.、Uh, it's、uh, everywhere in those、uh, businesses.、Uh, you can see them. And by the way, the other good example is the shared bikes. So this is kind of an interesting, strange story, and I jumped. I was involved in this in the very beginning because I was pushing eSIM. All of those bikes need an eSIM, but they also need a cellular IoT module. In this case, China was、um, doing it the low, the low end approach, which is a two G、um, cellular IoT module embedded into Ofo Mobike. Uh, and there, are, you know, there are lots of those bike companies, but there's been a shuffling out. There's been a fragmentation, and、um, and some of these companies have not survived. But the, the business is still going. But it's it's been it's been curtailed a lot, as you know. Globally, it's been curtailed because of the recklessness with using the bikes and then just tossing them up on the sides of the、yeah. streets.、Uh, city government doesn't really like that. So we have a, a we have an approach in the West where you return the bike to the to the place where you originally got it. But in China. Uh, in other parts of Asia, you simply leave the bike after you finish use, utilizing yeah, it. Yeah, wherever, and, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's not been the smartest strategy, actually. IoT is being used, and blockchain is also being used now.、Um, they're they're using the blockchain now so that they can actually track who used the bike,、mm -hmm. where it was left. So、uh, it's going to change the the recklessness of the usage of those bikes because now they can they can actually track. Who used it? When they used it? Where they left it? So,、mm. uh, anybody out there who's using、uh, mobile services, please, TLC, tender loving care. Okay, with these bikes. <laughs> oh, good, good advice to them. All right. So、uh, we talked about、uh, the current、uh, scenarios in China that we have seen, and it's already everywhere. It's time to take a quick break, and we'll be back. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting dot com. Now back to this week's program. Now we're back.、Uh, before the break, we talked about、uh, the background, and we also dig into why Carl, you made such a claim. Uh, China is leading in blockchain and IoT industries.、Uh, you convinced me, <laughs>、uh, and we shared a couple of different scenarios that we see everywhere、uh, in China. Now,、uh, my question goes to: With these kind of scenario you have seen, right, and it's everywhere.、Uh, I think、uh, in China, the government is playing a very key role in this. So, can you tell us about? What kind of things or policies or attitudes from the China side? Because、uh, I know China kind of banned the digital、uh, blockchain money for, in the very beginning. Then you know it changed. All these things are changing. So tell us about the government's attitude and、uh, how is that impacting this industry in China? So in 2018, I jumped into. Um, I jumped in a company called Rivets Corp. We 
um, basically provided security for blockchain designed smartphones. And I, I actually recognized when I came on board that the government was basically saying, you know, cryptocurrencies are not safe and not secure, and they are absolutely correct. What I saw is I was pushing the security side for crypto wallets. Um, but the government was saying, no, this is not safe, it's not secure. So we're going to ban ICOs. We're going to ban crypto exchanges. We're going to ban cryptocurrency. The result of that, the smartphone manufacturers basically didn't want to go against the government's um, wishes. So none of them actually developed a crypto wallet um, and none of them allowed crypto wallets to be downloaded. And, and so cryptocurrency is banned in China. There's a logical reason for it. It's called security. So President Xi in 2019 basically came out and said, well, you know, the blockchain is actually very good. There's a lot of great use cases. And he's right. There are lots of great use cases for the blockchain. Cryptocurrency is nothing but one use case for the blockchain, which is to use a crypto wallet to take one uh, cryptocurrency, in this case, Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc., and transfer it to another stakeholder from transferring from one to the other. The blockchain was just used to do that. The Chinese government has since come out with their own sovereign digital currency called DCEP. They haven't launched it yet, but they've been working on it for a long time. They should be commended to recognizing that there's lots of scams and hype in the cryptocurrency ecosystem. So they just were very concerned about the security of that. Also because um, Chinese people were taking their money outside. Some of it was for legitimate reasons, like sending your kids to Harvard University. Uh, other reasons were to launder money. So the government said, you know, this is not good. This is just not good. So they banned it. Because I was involved in, in the security side, so I, I totally understood. And when I gave presentations in China last year, I said, I totally agree that um, if you cannot provide the security of a crypto wallet, why do you need to allow it? Because hackers are salivating to just steal cryptocurrency. So the Chinese government did, I think, a very good thing. Um, to develop blockchain, public-private consortium blockchains, uh, permission blockchains. So today, the landscape of China, you can see big and small companies developing blockchain platforms, developing blockchain uh, technologies, and they're proliferating. And remember, China is owns, or at least 50%, it was 70% of all the mining in the world for cryptocurrencies uh, for Bitcoin was coming out of China. Um, and so there's lots of Chinese companies doing platforms. Uh, there's lots of mining companies, and they're actually trying to go global now. Uh, the Chinese government has not banned mining. They've just basically regulated it because people are actually stealing electricity to do crypto mining. And people, um, people hacks um, PCs in order to do crypto mining. None of those things are good. So I think what they've done is good. I think China has tried to lead in regulating the blockchain into a positive Roadmap. Can I say that? Hmm. So uh, the government uh, on one side uh, banned the crypto uh, currency, but on the other side, they're supporting the blockchain industry itself and Absolutely. IoT. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Different kinds of application. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that, you know, the blockchain is decentralized, right? Which means nobody owns it. Nobody owns the blockchain. Um, but it's very interesting the Chinese government has taken the lead because I think in the end what we all realize is fake news is not good mm -hmm. and there's too much of it. And we all get confused by fake news. We all do. I mean, it interrupted the U.S. presidential elections in 2016 and sent right. uh, you know, Trump into, into power. 
it's very, very important to make sure that the data is real. And that's the key usage of the blockchain, to make sure that the data is real. And I think China's not concerned um, with it being decentralized um, as long as the data has been attested to be real. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I also know, uh, I think I saw the news a long time ago about the uh, China digital currency uh, from the government side, uh, national kind of efforts. What's going on in that aspect that the banks are involved? I knew that China had been working on their own sovereign digital currency called DCEP since 2014. They, they started to work on this. That's almost six years now. Mm. Um, I think what they recognized was is that you have to have a control. Uh, less decentralization, um, but still utilizing the blockchain, uh, you had to have control of a, of a, of a central bank-type uh, currency. One renminbi to one of these DCEP, and it's so that it is more like a stable coin, but it's, since it's not fully decentralized, there's regulation because banks regulate. This is what banks do. And the Central Bank of China is regulating this di digital currency. It's a natural thing that's going to occur. Uh, and they're just utilizing the blockchain to do it. Mm. To me, it makes perfect sense. It, it has to make perfect sense. So that, that's the way it is. China is leading in the development. They haven't launched their DCEP. But I believe that when they feel the timing is right, they will. I believe they've been trialing it for the past six months. Uh, yeah, how is that compared to the Western world? Uh, other countries are doing similar things or not? Yes, uh, yes we, we heard from some yes, companies like Facebook, right? They were trying to do something in that space, but to, uh, uh, from the bank standpoint, yeah. So um, Mark Zuckerberg tried to push Libra and Calibra. Calibra was the wallet, Libra was the platform, that, which was a Swiss entity of 32, I believe 32 companies at that time. Some would say his approach was wrong. Some would say that because he people, there's no trust in Mark Zuckerberg in the world today. Some would say that people don't trust him. That's why he failed. That could be the reason why he failed. Remember, the, the major use, the major importance of the blockchain is trust. Let me, let me go out there and make this very important statement. Trust is the most important thing in the world, and it's worth more than gold in Fort Knox. I've come out with that statement, and it is especially important in technology. However, there are some who say that he did that on purpose and that his ultimate intentions were to be more like WeChat Pay and Alipay, which is how he should have positioned his strategy in the very, very beginning, which is to push more of a stable coin based on one currency and a crypto wallet that could proliferate on the internet. So that's what he's doing now. But now, um, Mr. Zuckerberg can take his, um, his, um, his WhatsApp and WhatsApp pay. He can make a WhatsApp pay and use a stablecoin, and he can still proliferate the world because Facebook has more users than, um, than actually WeChat Pay or Alipay. I think, face, I think Facebook still has more users. I mean, WeChat and Alipay are tremendous. But Zuckerberg has no – there's no regulation against him taking WhatsApp pay and – and a stable coin like the U.S. dollar, and it proliferating that all over the world. So that's from the Facebook standpoint. Now I want to circle back to the banks, right? In yes. China, the banks are doing some major uh, investment and uh, working. Absolutely. 
uh, yes. blockchain-based yes. digital currency. Yeah, how how's that in the U.S., for example? Well, it's very, very different, uh, but it's also very interesting in China. I think the Chinese government recognized that mobile network operators have a real tough time dealing with banks, but banks have no problem dealing with uh, payment providers, no problem dealing with smartphone manufacturers, no problem dealing with post manufacturers. And so um, I think that the Chinese government recognizes is, is that if the banks can control all those other ecosystem players, they can push their form of digital currency out faster to China and out faster to the world. Because as you know, the banks all use China Union Pay, which is equivalent or equal to EMV Co. It's really the same technology. Uh, but China, ha you know, has its own protocol. But it's really compliant, 100% compliant with uh, EMVCO, as far as I understand. Um, so actually, the Chinese government has a very interesting strategy, which is it's better to work with the banks to push this DCEP out to smartphone manufacturers, post vendors, and eventually the consumer. It's mm. smart. It makes sense. Because... I was involved in trying to use the mobile, the, the mobile network operators to push payment. wasn't so successful because the banks and the operators traditionally yeah. have a they tough have And you see that same thing in America. I came back in, 93, in, in 2013 only to try to help T-Mobile. I tried to help T-Mobile by telling them that I helped to enable mobile payment, NFC contactless mobile payment. Um, and I, I recognized that in America, we were not jumping on board this contactless mobile NFC technology, which were you all you were also involved in. Yeah. And I think the problem I think the problem is that mobile network operators have a real tough time cooperating with banks. Um, so that what so I, I think what you will see is um, banks developing their own form of cryptocurrency and mobile network operators now saying, "Well, we'd like to play too, please." So you see, the shoe is on the other foot. Now it's the banks that can regulate, that can push out cryptocurrencies, decentralized uh, currencies, stablecoin currencies. And so it is very interesting that the shoe is on the other foot. And now the banks actually ultimately can regulate or not regulate depending on how much regulation they want. They can have it completely decentralized and use the blockchain that's completely decentralized for cryptocurrencies, or they can regulate with DCEP like China's doing. I think you see many governments like the Germany, German, Japan, especially South Korea, and, and South Korea is actually a perfect example of a very uh, interesting blockchain environment where the banks are involved, cryptocurrency is proliferating, Samsung is involved, Kakao Talk is involved, uh, and it's actually the most sophisticated blockchain ecosystem in the world, South Korea. It is the most sophisticated. Okay. What I heard from you is uh, any other countries, they, they probably will follow in the future. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. Now, how did those Chinese companies push the blockchain and IoT technologies so that they become the top players in the world? They're at the stage of pushing IoT and blockchain out to the world. That's why I was hired. This is all cutting-edge technology. The use cases are, have been proven successful inside China. Mm -hmm. Now the job is to take it globally. That's why I was hired uh, to be the interface. 
China Unicom, China Telecom, and China Mobile all have huge projects going on inside the country. They are leading the world. So all, all three Chinese um, mobile network operators are pushing IoT and blockchain together, and they're pushing use cases inside China. They're actually implementing projects as we speak. But outside of China, from what I have seen, the investment has had to come from the, invest, the investment arms of many of these mobile network operators. So here's what they did. Companies like Deutsche Telekom, companies like Singtel, what they did is they formed um, an, an alliance of other mobile network operators to investigate the value of blockchain starting in 2016 and 2017. They, they invested through their investment arms. They didn't just jump into blockchain. Um, they, were, they weren't sure. They didn't just jump into it. So what they did is they invested in alliances. And there are various alliances around the world that I've researched. So what they did is they collaborated all together on certain, um, uh, not commercialized, but they've, they collaborated with projects. And those projects are now, in 2020, coming into fruition. So they're primed for Chinese technology right now because they've been, they first invested conservatively through their investment arms in working with other companies with other mobile network operators and cloud providers. They combine with cloud providers, network operators, and blockchain integrators to do projects. They didn't make okay. them very public, they just did them. Now they're ready, 2020, they're ready to go global. And the Chinese companies are ready to go global, uh, especially our company. We are going global. I am the proof of that. Mm. All right, I think it's time to take another quick break and we will be back very soon. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. I want to go to the last part of our conversation today. And here, after we understand the background, uh, China's leading position and the applications China is using and how the Chinese companies are pushing to the uh, global uh, for the technologies. Now, I want to hear from you uh, since you have so much experience in this uh, space. What kind of recommendations you would give to the Western companies who are in the technology space? So first of all, in my mind, the mobile network operators need to harness the power of trust by using the blockchain. Uh, the mobile network operators, number one, need to uh, engage in projects right now. And there are lots of projects to engage in. We see more activity coming from the cloud service providers, but they need to, they need to partner more with industry, uh, more with mobile network operators, and more with integrators to get these blockchain projects off the ground. That's what needs to happen right now. Uh, you are gonna depend on lots of partnerships. Mm -hmm. So your recommendation is, uh, even though they are uh, in different uh, tech industry, they all need to partner together. They have to because IoT is one distinct industry and blockchain is a separate distinct industry. And um, 
those two don't talk to each other right now. And specialists who know both, like our company, are too far and too few. Um, and then you have an IoT team, which is much larger because they're trying to get IoT projects. Um, but they don't talk to each other. Uh, they don't communicate with each other. They need to be, those divisions need to be merged. Ah, the blockchain and IoT, they need to, they need to be, come together. Yes because, yeah. yes, because that is the way that mobile network operators add value-added services beyond the just the sale of the module to the end user. Mm-hmm. You add services with management, fleet management, management of the module, the life cycle of the, of the IoT device. Um, that all depends on IoT plus blockchain. Blockchain can tell you when a, when a machine was decommissioned, when it was commissioned, and when it was decommissioned, because it will all be on the blockchain. Mm. Okay. So those are the tech companies that we need to consider, uh, the merge of these two. Then yes. let's think about the companies that are not technology companies. What are some advices you give to them so that they need to think about these two new technology, right? The blockchain and IoT. What should they do? So it's all about what you perceive as value and what you perceive as trust. If you're okay with buying a fake knockoff Louis Vuitton purse, then you won't care about adding the real data to the blockchain. If you do care about that and you care that the, your consumers who want to buy your very expensive products do care about the product is actually real and not a knockoff, you will want to use the blockchain because you will want to give that confident feeling that when the consumer buys the product, they can simply go online and attest from the trusted data that that is the real product. It's a big problem in China with milk powder, with fake wine, fake oil. I mean, it's a, it's a big, and it isn't just China. Um, it's a real problem. I mean, you might find this very strange, but there are knockoff water filters for refrigerators now. Can you imagine that? Knockoff mm-hmm. water, fil- water filters, for, it's, it's become a very big gray market industry. It's strange. If you use the blockchain, you can guarantee that what you buy is real because it'll all have a serial number that you can immediately look up on the internet because blockchain is nothing but an overlay to the internet for trusted data. So that's the blockchain side. Then on the IoT side, what are some things that do the companies who are not in the tech industry, do they need to look into now or do they just wait? Uh, is this still pretty far away? Uh, yes, them? yes. So in my mind, every single car company in the world should be adding what we call a T-box so that they can um, determine the health of the car, determine uh, how, how the car intelligently communicates with another vehicle, adding more IoT modules to the car for the health of the car, for the diagnostics of the car, um, and for the future intelligence of the car, making the car a wallet. The car will be like your Apple Pay. The car will be that. There's no doubt in my mind that one day the car will act as your wallet. Anybody that owns a machine that you want to have connectivity to will need IoT modules. If you want connectivity to any kind of machine and you want to determine the health of that machine, you need to have an IoT module giving it any kind of connectivity you want. 4G, MB-IoT, CAT-M, LoRa. There are all kinds of connectivity solutions that you can add to a machine or a robot. 
Um, so basically, they all need connectivity, and that means they all need the IoT module. But if they want to make sure that the machine is uh, is in good health or that the machine is even real and now not counterfeit, you use the blockchain because the, the data um, as a hash is trusted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we can imagine in the future, everything is connected to the Internet, and the IoT module needs to be on those different uh, devices, you, the edge you devices. Can, yeah. Can you imagine a robot actually picking up a cell phone and making a call? That's what the IoT module does for machines. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. Uh, you are painting this uh, big future for us. It also reminded us uh, it's not just getting everything connected. We need to think about the trust, the trust, trust of the data. behind it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. it's all about the trust of the data. Um, and it's also cool because... Um, when two industries combine, the value add gain is for everyone. So it's a good thing. I believe our company is avant-garde and leading that um, change uh, and leading the, the, this integration. So I'm very fortunate and lucky uh, to be in a company that's so cutting edge uh, in the emerging of two different technologies. And by the way, when people listen to this presentation and this conversation, they might still be confused because lots of people still don't understand these two technologies need to be integrated. Mm -hmm. So how do people find out more about your company and the, you know, get more knowledge of how this integration is being done through your company? So my CEO is actually quite well known in the IoT industry. His name is Mr. Leo Lin. He's quite well known. Um, uh, he's a, he and I both ex Jamalto. He he was running the whole IoT division of Jamalto, the former Centurion a product line that Jamalto bought from a German company, I think, in 2010. You can reach me by my email, Carl. Weaver at aitos.com. Our website is just www. AITOS.ai. The best way to reach us is through our LinkedIn website. So if you go onto LinkedIn and just type AITOS.io, and you can find me and all of my other colleagues and our website on LinkedIn. We think LinkedIn is a great tool. Great. Thanks so much, Carl. Oh, by the way, it's owned by Microsoft. <laughs> yes. All right. Th thanks so much, Carl. Uh, really appreciate your time and your knowledge sharing today with us. Today, we're talking about China is leading in blockchain and IoT industries. Uh, you are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. I look forward to talk to you again next time. Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhao. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 